Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. G'day everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Great to have you with me. V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Repco for another week. This week, it's part two of my chat with Craig Baird. I sat down with Beto on the Gold Coast to talk about his amazing career. In this second part, we kind of focus a bit more on the V8 supercar era of his career, of course, driving for Stone Brothers Racing and why it didn't work and what it needed to work. Uh, Team Brock, Team Kiwi, WPS, uh, Porsche Carrera Cup. There's a great story in here about um, what what I thought was his best ever Carrera Cup race and Funnily enough, he knew where I was going with it, so we tell the story about that one. It's a really interesting Bathurst-flavoured story. And we dive pretty deep, too, into his theory behind being the driving standards advisor to the Repco Supercars Championship. How he goes about it, what tools of the trade that he has to make his decisions, and some of the things that perhaps the TV viewers and the fans of the sport don't quite have right in terms of the role and how that role is executed. Of course, the National Motor Racing Museum Couch Racer questions give you the chance to ask your question of Beto, and there was quite a few of them that he gave some great answers to, and he tackles the top 10 shootout as well. Right, here we go. Buckle up. Time to start part two of Craig Baird from the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco. So 98, okay, we, we go there and it's oh, British Touring Car Championship, great, happy days. But then it all turns to shit. So what do we do then? Where do we go? It turned to shit because... Dick still had faith in me, um, but he lost a contract with Ford. Because mm, it went to ProDrive, didn't it? went to ProDrive. Mm. So ProDrive just took over their own program and I was sort of hung out. Martin Whitaker rang me and said, look, we're all changing. It's all going to ProDrive. Who was at Ford at the time, Martin? Yeah. Who later came and was at Supercars? Correct. So who was – I knew it wasn't working for me. It didn't work for me. It didn't work for Nigel. It didn't work for anyone that year. And it was it was a bit of a a point where I think I got back to my hotel one oh not my apartment one night in London and just thought, you know what? I've had so many highs and lows. I don't think I can take it anymore. I'm just getting out of the sport. I just want out. Mm. I just want to go and do something normal. And I've always had the ability to do things and wheel and deal and I just I just absolutely was sick of it. So I announced my retirement. 24 years ago, Beto, by the way. Yeah. And I just got the shits with it. And then Ross Stone rang me and said, do you want to come and drive with Jason Bright? So that was 99. I came back here and I got involved with a mate of mine in a furniture business and importing and I was spending a lot of time in Asia and Hong Kong and stuff with furniture. And uh, like But I was out. Antique furniture, was it? No, was no, it no. Just, just, yeah, the just, just yeah. buying factories and stuff. And anyway, Ross, who I – I didn't really know Ross well. Which but everyone would have presumed Kiwi, Kiwi, you go way back. Everyone knows yeah, everyone, but just not really. in a different direction, mm. you know. Even when I raced here, two-litre 
V8s. And he he offered me a deal to drive with Bridie and I went for a test at, not even a test, I did a deal with them to drive with Bridie. That was 99, I mm, think. Yeah, it was. Yep. And we did Queensland 500 and we were that far ahead. They had mm. a just mega package and everything and I had had the last hour to the finish and we're like, if we weren't half a lap ahead, we were more. You were a lot It was front. just stroke it to the finish and we blew an engine. And Bridie had half pie had the shits and it, he was wanting single seaters and indie lights and everything. And then he announced he was going. So then I got offered to drive with mm. Stone Brothers. And for for a retired driver, you're very active all of a sudden. I was. <laughs> I was. It's called ever well, it's not even a retired driver, it's a driver with the shits. Mm. Mm. Had you unshitted by then? Yeah, it started yeah. to unshit oh, by good. then good. because you jump in with Bridie, you're winning a supercar race and you're, okay, we didn't finish it, we blew an engine. That, but you go, maybe, I've, maybe I'll still. I've got more here. Yeah, I've yeah, got more here. Yeah, I can still do it. Yep. Give me the right car, the right thing. So you, you take over that car for the following year and you win a race. Phillip yeah. Island, like almost straight up. Roll out, so easy. And Jimmy said to me, he goes, man, no one, no other one of our drivers would have won that race. It's the way you just – and I did. I was – I knew the tyres were going to go, and especially coming from front-wheel drive. Once your tyres gone, nothing, you got nothing. So um, I, I hunted people in that race, and I, think I could see one by one dropping. They were running like fourth or fifth, and then my last one's Tander. And – Tander's ragging the shit out of the thing and then he dropped it once at turn two. Just had the big oversteer and I thought, see you, mate. You're definitely gone. <laughs> so, but I sort of drove that car and I'm not going to shit can anyone here, but I just drove it as Jimmy set it up, just an old Penske car, Bridie set up, pretty easy to drive. And I had brought my engineer from South Africa, Paul Seprinich, which was without doubt is the most intelligent bloke I've ever met in my life. And if I could ever have an engineer work on my car, that was the, that would be the one still today that would would I would get mm. or try and get. And we left there thinking, how easy is this? We're on. Look at this. We are on, brother. Mm. And then between the two of us, we reinvented the wheel. We put things in the car. We changed dampers. We did this. We did. We tried to turn it into a bit of a two-litre car because he was my engineer in South Africa. And he was right, but we just needed three years to make it right. And he was going to out-engineer anyone else in the pit lane, and he still will today. But it didn't fit well with Jimmy and Ross. So the end of that year, I get another one of those phone calls. Getting a few of these phone calls oh, over the journey, a, mate. The, the oh, phone, this phone call is getting a bit familiar. Yeah, it is. And Paul and I out, he, he knew where he was going to go, but he just needed more time. Hmm. And we both paid the price and we didn't come back in 01. Hmm. Hmm. It was pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. So something that 
started so well that ended so quickly. Like it's one season. Like it's, you know, blink of an eye stuff. So was there a contract for longer there and suddenly you go Two-year deal. Yeah, so two-year deal, that's a one-year deal that now what do we do? Two-year deal and the thing was I have such respect for Ross and Jimmy. They said we've got two programs here. You can both go early or if you tear your contract up next year, you can finish the year out. So I thought I could still turn it around with them. And I said, look, tear the contract up for next year. I want to try and make good of what hmm. we've all promised you. Hmm. Um, we didn't do that. Just couldn't couldn't get results. We were we were struggling. And when you lose your confidence a bit, um, you you can't get it back. Hmm. You know, I, I felt I'd let them down. And in those days, they had their their houses on the line for me to race a car and. I didn't deliver for them. It was as simple as that. And I wouldn't let those guys go down. Mm. So I'd Which rather... what a lot of drivers would do. They'd fight for that other year or the money or the, you know... Yeah, and normally I would. But with those two, I just felt it was more personal than that. Mm. And um, it was upsetting at the time, but I go, you know, these guys are just got their balls on the line completely and I haven't delivered for them. It's me. It's my decisions. It's the – that's it. I'll go. Mm. I'll retire again. <laughs> <laughs> More comebacks than Dame Nelly Melba you have. Jeez. More than Brock. Holy heck, that's an effort. So there was a – eventually you landed at Team Brock but there was a little short – I mean the prancing horse thing came So. I love asking about the sliding doors of this, of what other offers were out there, or where could you've gone, or what would have happened differently. But so, when the Stones thing ends, was there anywhere else to go that you didn't go, or a deal that you turned down, or no, there wasn't. And a guy Keys Wheel, mm. Keys rang me and said, "I need you to help Paul. Would you do that?" And I so I did a deal with them, um, not a signed contract, even to be fair. And I was a bit scared of Keys. <laughs> um, because what happened was I'd go to the races, help Paul and that, but I'd, I hadn't been paid from them or I didn't ask for money. It was just the endurance deal. Mm. And Keyes' handshake's a handshake and I was comfortable with that. And then Prancing Horse came along. The first part of Prancing Horse was when Noski broke his leg. Oh, his, I, his wrist in Canberra when he rolled was, it. Yeah, was it? Yeah, Sorry, wrist. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then I jumped in the Mustang, won with that, and then they asked me to drive the Ferrari and I won in that and then they were going to do a supercar and so I drove that. But in the middle of that I had to ring Keys, who's a tough, tough businessman, and go, you know, Keys, like I still want to help Paul and that, but I can't drive with him at Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Go, see you in court, brother. <laughs> That's how that was. <laughs> I was like, so you shit your pants. You go, Jesus. But anyway, we, we decided not to do any of that. I did the prancing horse thing and the Budweiser Mustang. Then the, or really it was the Mustang, Ferrari, then the supercar and then that kind of turned into nothing. Mm. So then I was lost again. And was there the thought that, well, that, because they'd, yeah, they did a deal with Ford. You and Noski did Bathurst, but that was the one time that you raced that car, the one time it raced as a Bud car. Yeah, and it wasn't a bad car. 
uh, Ralph Bellamy designed it. I was about to say it was a Ralph car. Wasn't had it? some yeah. really good things about it, and Ralph was Ralph's. You know, like he's designed Formula One cars, mm. but but again, does it all relate straight back to a supercar? No, but that. They all have potential, mm. and if you could grab all the bits of them, bolt it all together. And, yeah. So then I was left sitting on the bench again, and then Tony Longhurst rang me, and Tony goes, "He goes, mate, not many guys outpace me." And he goes, "You did it, Stone Brothers. I've got an opportunity for you." The team Brock thing had a little bit of little bit of fire going. It wasn't a team Brock. Rod Nash, and he was running, I suppose, the years prior, this the Auto Pro. Was the Auto Pro. Auto Pro had driven McCon there Ball and Tony had driven there in 01. Yep, yep. And then they just basically offered me a deal there and I, I thought there was a sniff of Brock going there and it could turn into massively big things and so I went there. And it didn't turn into as big a things as you... No. Hoped and no. That everyone would have. Because it, it was a combo deal, wasn't it? It was Rod... PB and Ronnie Harrop as a Ronnie Harrop and Ronnie Harrop was trying to develop the car. Brock was trying to develop a bank balance, and Nash was paying for it all. Mm. So if you take that as a melting pot as a business model, it's going to blow up, mm. and that's exactly what happened. And mm. um, Rod, Rod certainly Rod. I think Rod and Ron, as the partnership, could have really worked, but it would have taken time. Mm. Whereas we go to Bathurst and drive with Brock and there's merchandise coming out of back of transports, containers, there's shit going on. And I'm not bagging Pete, like, but Pete was like, how much money am I making? Mm. Um, well, if you actually look at what Rod's paid to this point to start this whole thing up, we need to sell more merchandise just to get him equal. Mm. That's basically how it was mm. and that partnership never worked and it blew up. Mm. Went back on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> Got another phone call. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars, unforgettable. You've told me before we we've done some chats in the past for TV and things where and we were a bit connected to the Mansell thing we talked about before. I remember you telling me about Bathurst that year because he'd announced the comeback and he just did Bathurst. He didn't do Queensland Five Hundred. I think Noski drove and you'd been driving all year in the red car and then it was the black car with the Motorola and it all probably looked a bit bigger and better than it really was underneath it all, but. He had that – wasn't the chat when you were going to get ready to qualify the car on Friday afternoon, putting your boots on in the truck, and he kind of almost gave you the, I'll do this, Chief, it'll be yeah. fine, I'm, I'm the man. And he was, what, 50? Well, you asked Russell Ingle how hard it is to go back. Mm. And, and Rusty wasn't out of it for that long. You know what I mean? Brock had been out of it for five years to that point. He was 50 – I'm going to say seven off the top of my head. Like it was – been a while. He was struggling. Yeah, he was, totally. You don't win Wimbledon when you're 57. No. No. There's no great comebacks. and But his self-belief was, 
I think once I hear the crowd cheering and I, I, I'll, I'll drag it to the front of the grid. A, we haven't got the best package. It's it wasn't not, a HRT car. It wasn't it was, everyone yeah. thought we were in an HRT car. It was, was Nashie's old Auto Pro car, McConville's old car. But I went to get into the car, to be honest, for Quali and Bev and Pete said to me, look, Beardo, the crowd are here to see Peter. Pete's going to qualify the car. I said, like, dude, I'm struggling a bit in the thing, but I'm probably 20th. I reckon you're struggling more than I am. Nah, <laughs> it'll lift. <laughs> it'll raise. They're here for me. Anyway, and I bless them. Um, and it's so sad of what happened. But, again, the self-belief, he thought the crowd and everything would lift him to do it. Not in 2001. Mm. Not no. when you don't have the equipment. If he was in a brand-new HRT car with their best engine and everything else, he he may have dragged it to a 10. He may have done a Jimmy Richards. Oh, and Jimmy did. That did. was a good year. That he qualified third. Yeah. But, by God, those cars were good. Mm. Mm. So, anyway, we struggled in the, and, bless him, he... he we had so many mechanical issues and bits and pieces. And he said, no, nope, I'm going to drive this thing right to the end of the race. And he did. And he did. He did. The and thing was limping around to the, the end. crowd, still had the elbow on the door and he completed it and did more than most drivers will ever do mm. at Bathurst and signed every T-shirt. I'm trying to get back to the house and no one wanted, like you just, you feel like a mouse in his pocket. <laughs> Beto. Just stay here. I haven't signed all the autographs. I go, mate, I'm hungry. No one wants mine. You know, you just I want to go home. Would you sign this? Would you sign my back? I'm tattooing it tomorrow. And then someone spoke. I don't know if this is a true story. And then someone said he signed a glass eye. I've heard that story, yes. Yeah. I've heard well, I've heard it often enough that I'm buying that it's true. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like I just sit there and they didn't even know who I was. So <laughs> Geez really Grumpy team member in the corner. I don't know what his problem is. We're getting our autographs. Don't know what's up his backside, but anyway. <laughs> um, all right. Phone call again. Getting good at this. We go from Team Brock to Team Kiwi. So it then kind of is the bounce of the next few years of not the top supercar teams, but a drive's a drive. You're in the you're in the world. You're WPS later. But while you're in the middle of that Team Kiwi thing, you start your Porsche thing, which ultimately becomes this very long, wonderful, successful association for you. But because that was with Quinny, wasn't it? That that was the, the no. When so you, what Carrera happened was Cup, I started doing some Porsche stuff in New Zealand because uh-huh. I always want to go back for the summer series. So yeah. Lyle Williamson had a Porsche team. Yep. So I started doing some stuff for him, winning some races down there, and it was kind of like I really enjoy those cars. It's it's a single seater. With, with, the roof, the, with the roof, with the roof. Yeah, yeah. And then I did the WPS thing and then that imploded and I got a phone call from Tony Quinn and Quinny goes, I've got three cars and in fairness, and I've always felt sorry for Luke Yulden because of it, but Luke was racing for him but he was also racing Jimmy and that and it, it he wasn't dominant, you know, he was successful and I don't know why but Quinny had this real soft spot for me and 
Christina said, we want to have a meeting with you at Yatla, come up. And I'm like, oh, they've already got three cars. Maybe they're running four cars. And then they offered me the third car and just said, that's what we want to do. We think it's the right thing for Clark. And that's where my career cup thing started properly. Mm. I was sort of playing in New Zealand on a odd weekend and then all of a sudden – do I stay on the bench? Do I retire again, or do again. I race, or do I do career cup? And you did career cup, and, and you did, did it re- lots. Yeah. And you know what? I really got sick of commentating you winning, mate. I got sick of me winning seriously, but it felt so. I couldn't sing- find a new way to make it sound good. Like I said, at every race, come on, man, give me a give me a job out here. Come on, I would. Mentally screw people over. I enjoyed the cars. They were single-seaters. They suited my driving style. Supercars never did. The harder I drove the things, the better they went, mm. unlike a supercar. Mm. Like, Other honestly, it's kind of it's kind of strange. If you look at Ambrose that took over from me, he was so smooth and so nice and didn't have any expectation of a touring car. He came – that was his first touring car. Mm. He just drove it so nice but so fast, whereas I'm trying to get to the corner 10K quicker, turn it, want everything to happen, couldn't happen. I'd jump back in a Porsche, I can do everything all at once. Mm. And the more I did, the quicker you go. So I kind of fell on my feet, not in the main game, but in something that worked for me. Mm. And you were able to st- – I mean, obviously we know that you won five championships here and a bit of New Zealand – like. Tons of races, like seriously, tons of races. 180. Uh, that all, that all. Oh, 20 short of 200, not good enough, not good enough. How, how did you piece all that together? Because you kind of had to become, you know, how did you stitch those deals? Because it wasn't, you know, it started with Quinny, but then you ended up doing your own thing. And Yeah, well, Quinny would then say, hey, I'm kind of out of it. I don't want to race them anymore. Clark doesn't want to race anymore, but I'll give you a car and a bit of money. Will you pretty much on your way then, especially when you're winning everything. So mm. then you can go to Porsche, well, maybe I need a free entry and maybe I need this and Jamie Blakey was very good to me and we sort of pieced it all together and each year I'd just sort of almost go from team to team with a bit of shit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go, I've got a car. Or got a little bit of money. Don't, got don't have much of... house. And then they go, oh, we can get some money and then I'd pull it all together. And, yeah, it just carried on really really well and I enjoyed it but I've always said and I think I said to you earlier you don't win Wimbledon when you're 50 Mm. so the cars changed the cars got much easier to drive they got different they got you got to finesse them more and be nice and take time and paddle shift and all these things came into it and I kind of if you ask a guy like Nick Perkett, he came up against me the first year. Don't just smash me the first year. The first year, young guys were coming in, they're just quicker because they didn't have any expectation mm. of how to drive them and stuff. So I kind of – I didn't get sick of it. I just didn't enjoy driving the car as much as what I did, but I enjoyed the GT cars. Mm. So then I made a bit of a transition into GT land and I don't know, you 
as you get older, you just look for more excuses <laughs> and you just keep – you jump around a little bit more and, um, yeah, I don't know. I think the car's – I know it sounds bad, but the car's got too easy to drive. I think that's the biggest problem with Carrera Cup now. They're too good. They're like, too good. you know, um, no one in supercars is looking really, realistically, to that category for driving talent. Um the crowd – I don't think the crowd dislikes Carrera Cup. I think they're just a bit ambivalent to the thing. Well, that, I was lucky because yeah, when I raced. But those cars actually raced. They raced, they moved, they bucked, they mm. kicked you, they bit you. Mm. And the biggest thing was the guy next to me on the grid was either Alex Davison or Jim Richards. Mm. Or David and Reynolds it, a bit later on in the scene too. Yes, Probably yeah, was in the mix as cool well. And Coultards and all that yeah. and da-da-da. But – Jim Richards was racing one. Mm. He could go to Zimbabwe. And Couldn't do it in the go-kart they, championship. But though. they would watch and that's the difference. So I was very lucky. It would be like Ambrose Lowndes, Tanda, all racing Career Cup. Now you still watch because mm. mm. you had to beat them. Yeah. Whereas I'm not taking anything away from the talent that's in there. And there's a lot of really good young guys. But sometimes I look at it and I go, you know, I might go back and do one. <laughs> Only in a pro-am. Yeah. <laughs> until Jeff Emery says I'm not allowed. But <laughs> there's just the, the gauge, mm. the, the mark is not there. Mm. Now, if Reynolds goes back and races next week in Carrera Cup and the loves and that that have, Extreme talent. There's no doubt about that. I just need to gauge him mm. off that. We don't know. We don't really know. They're beating one another, but who are they beating to the layman out there or to the correct? And there's nothing taken away from. Clearly, all good. there's a lot of good young guys in that category. And there's guys like David Wall, good solid guys, yeah, yeah, good totally. solid guys. But it's not. It's not Jim Richards. There's no other Jim Richards. There's, there's no other, other Jim Richards, yeah. and he was the king of Porsche. Mm. Mm. And I just happened to be able to match myself against him and mm. make, a, make a – yeah, because yeah. of him. Yeah. Otherwise it would have just been another category. Mm. When I think of your career at cup races, there's one that really sticks in my mind and I'd love – when you do so many races, you probably forget about a lot of them. But it was one of the Sunday morning Bathurst career cup races before the 1,000. Mm. And it was – Bleak Correct. You and your own bleaker on the Dutchman who was out to be the, the guest driver in Career Cup that weekend. I'd have to go and dig out the tape. Well, not the tape. I sound really old when I say tape, don't I? But the hard drive. It was flat stick. Oh, I don't know, eight lap race, something like that. Short Every lap, sprint. one of us got the lap record. Kept breaking it. after Each after, each after, so each I after. I was so It adamant was insane. Because I put part of that deal together. I said, we need to get the Super Cup guys down here to race Australian Career Cup. So he came down, Jamie Blakey put it all together and then the first practice, I was P1. He's at Bathurst, you know, he's not going to – but simulation to a certain extent, you know, Toka something. or <laughs> Toka Touring Cars. Were you on that video, I, game? I'm, I'm on that. I'm on the cover. <laughs> um, backwards, I think. <laughs> um so he came down, he did the first practice up, he was quick. It's like he's the current Super Cup champion. So then the second one, if you're a new driver, you get a free set of tyres. 
I am such a prick. I said, there's, I'm not, if he gets a new set of tyres, I'm not going out and practice. They said, well, that's your bad luck. I said, mate, so I didn't do practice. I refused to do practice because I knew straight away on new tyres he was going to be quicker than me and I'm not having that go back to Europe. Mm. That his second practice, everything that I've worked for for five fucking years is going to be taken off me because he's quicker than me and no one will know he's on new tyres, mm. so I wouldn't practice. Mm. And I don't think I've ever been awake so long every night of those three nights of Bathurst. I didn't know we were going there with this story, but you, this is... I would not lose yeah. to that guy, mate. Yeah. I refused. He was my teammate. He had my setup, my shit, my mechanics, my everything. I was not going to lose... For Australia and New Zealand and everything we've all done to race here and how competitive it's been against the cool thards and everything else, for him to come and clean us up. Which is bad for the whole game here where, just oh, well, that Australian series, they're actually not that good, are they? B-grade. Mm. So I wanted to absolutely smash him. <laughs> so I smashed him in the first two races, quality the first two races, and even... Alex is as fast as, if not faster than me in a Porsche, but he just didn't have that motivation. But that morning, and it was cold, we were on. And I'm leading, I thought, I'll pull away from this guy, by God. So I couldn't pull away from him. Then he's coming at me. And all as I could think, I ended up winning 11 championships in a Porsche. If I lose this one race... It's all for nothing. It's all for nothing because... Was this big, I, I did not know when I raised this that this, this is, is where we were going to go. We left the rest of the field and there's some pretty good guys in the field. And when I say there's a good guy, Alex Davison was a factory Porsche driver. Won in Super Cup. I think we left him like 10, 11, 12, it, 15 it seconds was, behind. It was like no one, was, no one else was in that race, just you two. And Bleaker Mullen lifted... I'd have to lift. So the next lap, he'd lift. And it just got to the point where I thought, you know, I'll either trail this thing across the top of the hill or I'll win it. And the two of us, like, it was every lap. And, and I've watched that race many times. And they go, Bleak and Mullen just lap record. Beardo, oh, lap I remember record. it. We, we kept record. going on about it because Correct. it was like bang, it top pop up on timing. Bang again. Finished. I've never seen a race. I, I don't and like then to I make it. I became lifelong friends with him because he said, you know what, I was coming to Australia to smoke you guys and he said, I could not believe some old and, – and I was, I don't know, what I was 40-something. He goes, mate, the balls, the commitment, the brushing the wall, <laughs> the sideways, the shit. He said, I, I knew I was going to have you but I never did. Mm. I never quite got you. Mm. So we – that's how you make a lifelong yeah. friend and he's helped me and I've raced with him in the past and, yeah, just it's cool. I'm going to have to go and watch that tape again now that you've said that. Because, oh, I um, as well. It's good. Yeah. It's 10 years. It was 2012, I think, from memory off the top of my head or 11 or 12. Oh, it was one of those years. But it was one of those years. It was one of those years. I should be good on the years but I didn't, didn't walk into this one expecting we'd talk about that race but it just occurred to me before. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, 
and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. I wanted to touch on quickly. There's a couple of little questions we'll get to with some some punter questions, yep. but we can't do the chat with. I mean, we've probably skipped over a bunch of stuff here, but the, the driving standard stuff I I did want to talk to you about because obviously yep. that's your current thing. That's what so many of our our fans and our followers know of you from of your current involvement in yeah, the sure. game. And I think it's it's grossly misunderstood a lot of the time. I think a lot of our fans do respect it, do understand it, but still probably don't fully get the gist of your stance on it, how you view it, and the tools that you've got at your disposal that us sitting on the couch don't have. So let's start with that element. When we're watching on the couch and someone biffs into someone else, that's you know we get a replay – We've got our rose-coloured glasses on fan-wise of who's your favourite driver, team, Go the all manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about rugby, mate. I'm from Melbourne, seriously. It's AFL or nothing. Um, what have you got when you're in race control? When you, you know, And you and I have talked about this off air a lot I'll, over the journey. I'll start it. I'll start it. And I'm, I'm, I'm so passionate about my job because I never had anyone that had my back in a steward's office when I was racing, something happens, they see something, they don't do, do the due diligence to work out whether Beto was right or wrong. And I felt like I've been hard done by a lot of times. And I don't want my 24 main game guys to ever feel like that. And, and some of them don't even realise this. They are my boys. I have their back unconditionally. I've done nothing in the last two days but go through what happened at Tail and Bend and how I can help them and how I can make things better with our technical teams, everything else. I am not there to fuck them over. I am there to save them from the shit decisions that we've had and I'm very lucky in supercar land. I have stewards that are – they've got it. They understand it. They feel it. Mm. But when you're racing go-karts, it's a weekend warrior that's just taking over and just making decisions and that's a jump start. But it's actually not a jump start. He did stop. Have you got the tools to – so we'll go back to it. When I took the job on and Michael Massey was my – or I was Michael's wingman, I changed a lot of things and I probably have too much opinion. I'm opinionated. I'm strong-minded. I'm there to try and make, A, the game played within the post and, you know, all this bullshit of, I look at it post-race. That's not fair on the punters either. And the punters are now educated. I reckon motor racing fans are probably... Very educated. Very, I mean, football fans, cricket fans, I, we're biased a bit, but I think motorsport fans who know the know, know it even better than those other sports. 100%. So I said I wouldn't do it unless you gave me better tools. And Bargs was thrown under the bus as every other one before me has. Because you look at something on TV and I look at it, whether it's a rugby game or motor racing, you look at it once, you make up your opinion and you're dead set on it. Mm. I get to see the data, I get to hear the radio, I get to see the brake pressures, I get to see everything, four different angles. 
doesn't go on TV, but I get it all. And I'm embarrassed sometimes because I'll make up my mind on the first – well, I don't make up my mind. I, you, you get a trigger. Oh, okay, it's Dave Reynolds. He's hit the back of someone. Bang. Then you start dissecting it all and you go, oh, no, 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 no. This all changes. But that doesn't – I don't get to show Aaron Noonan that. Mm. You have to sit at home and, and, and just take the call – but I've looked at five angles, you looked at one. Mm. So things change. So you, I wouldn't say embarrassed is the right word, but you think, I know they're thinking I'm wrong at home, but if they actually sat with me in my bunker and and it's not a one-man band, I've got people helping me, I've got technical people, I've got shit going from everywhere. <laughs> and if I can't make the decision, I'll do it later. Mm. And if I've got to weigh up in my own mind, if I don't know, well, it means no one's wholly or predominantly to blame. It's too close to call. They both had better options play on. Mm. No one likes the ref. I don't like being not liked. And some of the shit I've had over the years of doing my job is just horrific. And are we talking... Socials online, Are socials. We people have found an or? email, industry, the threatening, the this or that. But what I can promise you is, there's no game without a ref. Rugby mm. does not survive. You got to have a ref there. Just try and make a ref a bit, little bit play on a free-flowing game of rugby or motor racing or cricket or whatever, you don't want someone blowing whistles all the time. Mm. What pisses me off, I get shit-canned. If I give a penalty, 100% get shit-canned. Now, on that same incident, if I don't give a penalty, 100% shit-canned. Can't win. There is a fucking no-win situation. What gives me strength to carry on with my job and, and hold my chin high, and I can have a beer with any one of my blokes. They understand it, they get it, and they respect it. Of course they'll argue it here and there. That's life. That's but they know is. the tools are so good. Most of them nowadays goes, You can't bullshit you. They'll come up and sign the paperwork. Yeah, they don't try to launch the argument of why and how because they go, You know what? He's got all the stuff. And so let's if save I ourselves can get the them off, I'll get them off because it makes a better game of rugby. Mm. No penalties is the best motor racing we'll ever have. Mm. But you can't have a free Can't be fall. lawless. Can't be lawless. Because we also have a duty of care, and we all know now someone's accountable for something, and, mm. you know, Cam Waters, he's a fucking fantastic bloke, has grown so much on and off the track. He never quite got it at Perth, and that one really upset me because I didn't want to penalise him, but you have in your toolbox – to fix that problem and your team nor you chose to do it and you still would have won that race but you marched on without fixing it. Mm. I wanted you to fix it, not me, Mm. but I have to fix it then because I can't say to the other 23, that's the new okay. Mm. Mm. I love that you you and I have had many a text or a call discussion in the aftermath of a, a race meeting or a Friday night or a Saturday night of, hey, mate, what was the take on this? And, you know, no different to other journos or the TV guys or, or anything like that. I love that you 
I think this will change. One of the things on our podcast over the journey when we've talked to people, our listeners, you know, might be a guest that they don't like, but then they hear an hour or two of chat or even 20 minutes like we're talking about this this topic and it changes them. It turns the whole opinion around on a, a person. I never liked that guy, but holy hell, now that I've heard it. A little bit the same way in this instance where, uh, you know, whether they've been anti-decisions or whatever, it's so much about education. But I love the fact that the drivers, your blokes, your you boys, you call them your driver boys. if they want to get rid of me. Now, everyone else in Australia wants to get rid of the ref all the time. But they do every week, every sport, every My place. 24 blokes come to me, and I call them my blokes because I'm there fucking no matter what it is to make something better for them, to what, what they need, they ring me, I march forward to the commission, I go to Motorsport Australia, I do everything for my blokes mm. because you send a thief to catch a thief, yeah? Mm. They've worked that out. Mm. That's me. Mm. I was always the thief. Mm. I've taken, received, it's, that's the way I raced. Yeah. I was a prick. But I don't want them to be sanitised. I want them to go racing. I always say to them, I don't want any wing mirrors on the cars. Knock them off, boys. Mm. Get into it. But that's not your front bumper. Mm. There's a difference. I can shovel a guy off the track and it pass doesn't, him that. Anyone that's can do that. That's a breach. Mm. You race hard. You, you're some – we talk about racing room. Well, if you want to hang on the outside – of turn one at Phillip Island with Van Gisbergen or would I position myself on the outside of Percat? No, I never did in a career cup car. Why would I do It's his racing line. He's in there. He's got to go there. If i am got a headlight overlap, this racing room, it's bullshit. But if I'm side by side with him, whole new mm. world. Mm. They understand my interpretation of what's in our – forget all the FIA and the Motorsport Australia. Michael Massey and I put a code of conduct. Read it or don't read it. It's not a rule. It's our interpretation of what we think's a good game of rugby. Mm. Mm. They know it. And I, you know how many times I stay behind after a race? Very, very few. Which would be different to previous eras where they were there all night. When I started, I was never out of there before 10, 11, 12 because everyone wanted to fight it. There was, and, and this is the sad part for Bargs was he didn't have the tools. So he's told one thing, you've got to make decisions, mm. but if you don't give a bloke the right tools to make the decisions, what it's chance? fucking impossible. No chance. So, But what I did was implement so hard even the penalty system and people go, oh, why is there not a 10-second, a, a 17? No, small, medium and large. Go to mm. McDonald's, mm. order your chips. Do you mm. want small, medium and large? Because when you do something wrong, you'll know which chips you're getting. I like chips, though. And that's <laughs> – and my boys never fucking argue. Yeah, they know the deal. They know the deal. They know the deal. Exactly right. Um, my National Motor Racing Museum up at Mount Panorama back our couch racer questions where fans – that photo that you saw of the 1990 M3, they've been sending in their questions. And the first one actually connects to our, our discussion point here. And Justin Olden asks, what are your thoughts on yourself or a rep 
doing a press conference or some TV interviews at the end of a race meeting to go through why certain decisions were made or even just the really controversial ones or the ones that are for the win and stuff like that. And being an AFL fan, when I watch a game of AFL, as much as it's annoying sometimes to have the umpire's microphone for, you know, you hear every whistle blow, you hear every reason why there's a free kick, but whether you like it or you don't like the rule against your team, you know why it happened and how it happened. And then the play carries on. It was in the back or it was Fully holding the ball. Is that something that we could do? Because I always feel like as a, as a media guy, I mean, and that's not to say you're – We go off here and it's the unknown. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I agree want, with that. And I want to make the point too, though, that you've always been mega available. Yeah. And speaking personally as a, as a media bloke, if it's a text message on a Saturday night at 8 o'clock or if it's a call or if it's a clarification – I don't want people to think that you've been hiding from it or not. You know, we've had many chats about this sort of stuff, and no doubt with other journos and other. There's certainly TV, room for it. I think we could we do it. Is, I, is it something I, you'd like to do? Yeah. In fairness, I would like. I don't want to be cross-examined mm. and tipped upside down and told I'm wrong, but I can explain why and how I came to it. Now, if I'm doing it with the educated, someone like Larko, and he's a good mate of mine. So if Larco and Beto had their bunker for five minutes after each race, i got no problem with that. Mm. But if you've got a negative guy trying to interview just to turn it upside down to make you look no, no, like a press, doesn't, it doesn't need to be that. That doesn't it, work. It, it just needs to be here's the vision, here's the incident, you made this and, call, and why I've, so? I've pushed, I have such respect for Larco, I've pushed for it in the past that I have enough respect for him that I could f- I could feel even in the race, I could go, Laka, not far enough up, three co- kilometres an hour entry speed higher, inside line, dirty line, wasn't making the rotation, bang. He could deliver that for me. Mm. But far, it's, mm. you got to get the story right. I'm more than happy to do that and I think it would put a lot of things to bed. I think it would. I think it'd be a big help, but it's another. It's it's almost another role for me. Mm. You know what I mean? It can't be in a race. So if something happens straight away when you're trying to tell about the last one, it it doesn't work. But uh, so how I work and how I have such a good understanding with my stewards is I have my working screen. Once I've figured out where things are going, I bring it up on my working screen. I repeat it to the stewards. They look at it. And I talk my thought process basically to myself, mm. but they listen. Okay, at this point the car's not far enough up. I just go through it piece by piece by piece, frame by frame by frame with the overlaid data. And notice the brake pressure now has been released. He's still not making the corner, yet the brake pressure's been released. That's not right. That's why the contact is, that's what the breach. Do you agree? And they go... Yeah, we agree with what you're saying, but can you go back and they'll cross-examine me? So it's not a one-man band. It's just not just you someone. say this, no. bang, they do it. And Michael Massey was the best at it. He go, he go, Beto, are you sure? I go, I'm guarantee, I'm sure. <laughs> he goes, I know you are. I'm just checking, mm. you know, because just making job. sure that's that my job. We we have everything right. And the biggest thing that Michael brought to our sport was. Everyone thinks if there's a car backwards, someone's got to be penalised. If there's a car run wide, it's got to be a penalty. No, it doesn't because 
sometimes two guys, they both have a better option. Mm. And if someone's not wholly or predominantly to blame, play on. Mm. Mm. You both could have, you could have turned in earlier and you could have given more room. But you decided to do, you know? Yeah. It's a balancing act. And, yeah, totally. But as I say, no matter what I do, any penalty I've ever given or any penalty I haven't, I'll get shit canned. Yeah. It's fucking sad, mate. It is sadly – I mean, it's always been the way. It's just that people now have more ways and more methods of having their voice out there or to get to you or to connect to you or to – have it float past your, your yeah. eye line or your ear line. Yeah. So, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I'm going to write a letter to the editor. You know, that was kind of yeah. the limit of, yeah. of what you had to and I'm going to ruin don't the have television the time station. To do it, so it yeah, off. exactly. It's too easy to do it yeah, now. It's just so. instant. You just yeah, have something. And it's easy to do it. I do it in rugby. You know, I'm a big rugby fan. So I, I look at a rugby game and you can make a decision like, how big are your balls when you're sitting on the couch? And then you can. <laughs> Five minutes later, you go, hmm, what's mm, wrong with that? Mm, whoops. Yeah. When you actually got to be the guy standing publicly out there and make that decision, mm. it's a big difference. Yeah. Huge difference. Huge difference. Got a few more quick questions. We'll boots through them because we've been yep. yarning for a little while. Uh, Troy Goring asks, can you please ask Beto about Bathurst 02? We, we've covered off a bit of driving with, with PB. But more to my point, can we put the feelers out to try and find his helmet from that race? That was stolen not long after. Did you get your team Brock helmet pinch from that race? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, what did. happened there? Uh, if you've got it out there I'm and you're listening, send us an email. Get in touch. I, maybe no he stole it. <laughs> he knows a lot <laughs> oh. about it. But that's a funny story because someone rang. They rang Oren Park, huh? and said, "We've got Beardo's race gear." So. I went to the theme park with the kids. On the Gold Coast? No, no, oh, no, in Sydney. In Sydney, In yeah. Sydney. Rental car was broken into, race bag stolen. Is this after Bathurst? It wasn't actually. It Later. was after Oran Park. Oh, okay. Same yeah. year. Early in the year. But that yep. was same, very, yeah, same year, but it was an Oran Park round and my stuff was stolen in Sydney. Hmm. And then someone rang Oran Park and said, uh, we've got... Craig Beard's helmet and his that how do we get it back to him? So then Oren Park got hold of me and I said, well, just tell them wherever they want to go, deliver it at a hotel and walk off. Mm. So they were the people that pinched it, you reckon? Uh, Hard to do. I don't know. Mm. I think they got something and then thought maybe we shouldn't have it. It's never shown up. Mm. And I'll know it because it's, it's the only one of that model helmet that I ever had and um, – yeah, got stolen. We love our memorabilia here, so we will keep it on. If, if it comes back, mm. I'll give it to him. No, no, you keep it. <laughs> or you put it in the. Or Luca needs another jet ski, and you do some <laughs> form of a. You do some form of a deal on that one. Um, this is funny. Uh, this one came in on socials. <laughs> Who were you cheering at the Gold Coast Marathon, or were us crazy runners just stopping you from getting your Sunday morning coffee? You were spotted. No, out of the I Gold, was. At the Gold I, Coast I Marathon. I was. I was. So a friend of Amanda's was doing – because Amanda did um, – Amanda's your partner Iron, for those who yeah. don't know. So she did Ken's Ironman and then she was going to do the marathon. But they said, you're better off. It's too close. Just 
relaxed. So um, actually, Jeff Emery, that races Career Cup, his partner Shirl was doing. She was doing the Gold Coast Marathon, so I was there. I think being a race fan, this guy's sort of gone. Why is Craig Baird? I think he shouted yeah, at me. Yeah. He actually he was running. He said, "What are you doing here? <laughs> Can't go." Anywhere I'm allowed to view other sports. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Anthony De Silva. What about the shunt with Dumbrell at Pukekohe 05? Yeah, that was a big one. That was a bullshit one. You know, like one thing I've always done my whole career is I have a duty of care to to my fellow drivers and stuff and. I come up over the top of the hill, wind cup was just in front of me and he, he, it was drizzling and he's dropped a wheel but it's the dust kicked up and I couldn't see. The last I saw of him, he was kind of half sideways and I thought, he's coming across it in front of me. So give him the benefit of the doubt. Don't just hold it flat and pass him. Let him gather his feet. And then Dumbrell, and we became friends well after this though, he's jumped up the inside and thought, shit, I'll get a lot of them. Well, when you're giving a guy an opportunity to not have a big shunt at 200 clicks, everyone should give him the opportunity. So I'm moving, I still can't see him. So I'm moving a little bit right, a little bit right, a little bit right, and then I get bang, here's Dumbrell down the inside on the grass. And I fought with Larry and Dumbrell for weeks over this. But anyway, some people can give a duty of care, some people don't. And at that point, Dumbrell was a lot younger than me and he probably didn't give a shit. He would, in his latter years, mm. he would have raced like I did. He just saw no dust right-hand side. He's going there. I couldn't see where Jamie was and I just wanted to make sure Jamie was okay because it was shit conditions. Mm. We're on slicks and it's drizzling at Pookie over the top of the hill. So I was pretty ropeable over that whole deal. I think Craig Gore was pretty ropeable too. He led into PD and LP from from my memory as, as part yeah, of Yeah, well. I don't remember that part, but it ripped the back off your car completely because it bounced off the, oh, yeah, the I, horse guardrail I, I and cut it ripped it the hard. PA system down. When, when I was, you know, the only thing that saved me there was a there was a bank. Gorey took a helicopter. He's always had his own over here. He took a helicopter. They were parked on the inside of that. If I'd gone through where I hit, you know what I was going to hit? The chopper. The chopper. Ugh. So it would have been a good bomb. Ugh. So then I bounced back across the track, but I'm jammed in the car. I can't get out. And I thought, shit, this thing. I looked at, I looked, actually, some, for some reason, I looked in the rear vision mirror. There's no back on the car. It's open. Right There's nothing to see. There is yeah. nothing there. And I thought, this thing's going to catch fire. But I'm, I'm against the Armco. I mean, you can't open but the I thought, door. Nah, I'll be pretty good here. There's the fuel tank. It was about 100 <laughs> metres back up the track. So I thought I'll be – if Hopefully. it's a fire, it's only going to be going to be over one. there, but it's not going to be here. I'm, I'm good, I'm good. A couple of quick ones. Top 10 shootout we do. You've done a few shootouts in your time. It's word association. Give me the one word that comes into your brain. couple of words if you need it for the following things. People, places, stuff. And if you need more – you can't use the same one twice though. That's okay. the rule, Okay. Jim Richards. Idol. Mm. You going to buy a copy of the book? I'll give you one. I'll give you one. That's all right. We're doing a Jim Richards book this year, by the way, if you didn't know. Um, okay. Pukekohe. Brave. Peter Brock. Brave. No, oh, I use, use it twice. You can't use it twice. Strong. Strong. 
Self-belief. Bathurst. Best. Craig Lowndes. Legend. Nigel Mansell. Lion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Paul Boris. Wild. I think I say dude. It's probably what everybody else would say, but I, I reckon I know why you would say that because you've probably seen it with your I own eyes. I've partied harder than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nürburgring. One word? I'll accept the sound there of the because that probably sums it up too. I'll say the word, but then you could ask me why. Liar. Why liar? Because anyone says they've done the perfect lap round there is a liar. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Super tourist. Cool. Porsche. Quick. Mm. That's 10. You've survived. Top 10 shootout. Didn't touch a bit of guardrail. Didn't hit a curb. Safely brought it home. Well played. Hey, Beto, thank you so much for for hosting on my little Queensland podcast tour. It's been nice to sit down and, I mean, we, we have not covered everything. We skipped over a few things along the way there. but It's probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but we covered off a, a lot of ground. So thanks for the insight. Thanks for the time. And I hope that some of our listeners have got a, a greater insight into not just where you've been and what you've done but what you're doing now and, and how you play it and, and how you roll with it as yeah, well. Well, I think that's the biggest thing for me is just I am what I am and I'm, I, Old school racer that's just trying to help 24 of the main game guys and that's what I do. That's, I've, I've put the helmet in a, in a box to make sure I help them. Mm. So they have respect, so I hope the listeners do. There you have it, Craig Baird on the V8 Sleuth Podcast powered by Repco. I hope you enjoyed. If you didn't hear part one of this, go back into the library, have a listen and hear about his time racing in New Zealand and open wheelers and uh, his time racing for the BMW factory team the day that he won Bathurst and then had it taken away. Great to sit down with Bert. I thoroughly enjoyed sitting down with him on the Gold Coast recently. Great chat. Really enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it too. Next week on the VA Smith Podcast powered by Repco, part one of a two-part sit-down with Roland Day. Of course, these days he's the non-executive chairman of Triple Eight Race Engineering, but for so many years at the absolute forefront of the team that redefined what it is for success in V8 supercars and supercars racing. So I go one-on-one with RD. Part one comes up next week. Don't forget, Tuesday's Castrol Motorsport News podcast. Lock it in with AVL and Stefan. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. The latest in news from local and overseas in motorsport with great insight and analysis. In fact, award-winning analysis and insight. They won the Supercars Media Award for Best Podcast for 2022 earlier in the year. So really looking forward to seeing what's coming up this week with those boys. Every Wednesday, it's the V8 Salute Podcast powered by Repco. And if you've missed any of our episodes over the journey, go back through the back catalogue. There's some great chats with some familiar names and some unfamiliar names too with some great stories to tell. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'll be back next Wednesday with Roland Dane Part 1, and I'll chat to you then. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.